section six of neighbourhood a year's life in and about an english village by tickner edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three march part two it was tennyson who first set us looking for kingfishers in march though indeed the sea-blue bird makes the riverside beautiful at all seasons there is a little creek here winding away from the main current of the river through a thicket of willow and alder where coming stealthily along the shadowed footpath you can always hear the shrill creaking pipe of the bird and generally catch the glint of his gay plumage as he darts downstream or sits on some branch overhanging the clear brown water but it was from the stern seat of the old ferryman's boat that i learnt whatever i know about kingfishers and river life in general and these secret excursions seldom began until march was well under way for me therefore the kingfisher as for all tennyson lovers is most clearly associated with the still barren hedgerows and brakes the song of the thrush mounted high amidst leafless branches and that wonderful array of crimson tassels and brown bobbins all set in a mist of pale green needles which at this time makes the larch one of the sights of the countryside i have said secret excursions and indeed all my relations with old runridge during recent years have necessarily taken on this furtive character it was not always so in happier days when the old man was a widower i used to drift down to his cabin by the waterside for a quiet pipe at all seasons of the day and openly whenever the mood seized me then if tide and the weather served we would take the little skiff and go off for hours together exploring the shyest nooks of the river either with or without the ancient fowling-piece that hung over his kitchen hearth at these times the ferry was left to take care of itself which it did sufficiently well there being often quite a little collection of pennies on the thwart of the boat when the old man got back from these unpremeditated truantries but one fateful day a distant cousin of runridge's arrived on a visit a sedate ponderous woman very black as to brows and eyes and with a hard shiny face whose colour seemed all on the surface like red paint she never went away again for within the month she became mrs runridge from that day for peace and quiet's sake the old ferryman and i pursued our ancient courses only by stealth fortunately mrs runridge had a genius for household economy which led her to eschew the village shop and took her off with her basket at least once a week to stavisham and its cheaper wares this was always our opportunity and regularly on the town market days 
when mrs runridge and her basket had been safely stowed into the carrier's cart and it had turned the distant bend of the lane the little green wherry set forth over the shining tide with its self-congratulatory crew bent on visiting the harns or looking for reed warblers nests or anything else that might fit the occasion Today we went up on the full tide and turned into the little creek where the kingfishers have their nests it has been one of those dead still cloudless days that so often come in mid-march just before the gales of the equinox a halcyon day in very truth as our little craft sped up the glittering pathway of the waters hardly a whisper sounded in the dense jungle of reeds that flanks the river here on either side the tree-tops stood motionless against the sky one clear blue arch except where just above the horizon a series of white clouds peered over the hilltops like a row of beckoning hands the willows on the banks were full of yellow blossom in which the bees crowded their soft music was with us wherever we went larks carolled overhead thrushes blackbirds hedge sparrows sang in every bush there was a great cawing and dooring from the rookeries where the black companies had returned for the season and were busy refurbishing up their nests we drove our boat's prow through the willow branches that all but hid the entrance to the creek then let her drift idly down the narrow way until we gained the broader basin near the footbridge and moored her to an overhanging branch keeping quiet and still in our corner we had only a few minutes to wait the familiar high-pitched cry rang out from the sunny breadth of the river and then into the cool grey light came what looked like a flying spark of emerald fire the bird pitched on a wand of sallow that drooped nearly to the water just opposite our retreat here he sat a while carelessly preening his magnificent feathers below him the water lay glassy still and clear reflecting his tawny breast and the rich checkerwork of gold blossom and blue sky overhead the kingfisher did not watch the stream with that motionless vigilance that one reads of in the nature books he seemed to give the gliding water scarce a thought but to be intent only on the contemplation of his own finery reaching now and again over his shoulder to set straight a feather that had gone awry but suddenly he stopped in this popinjay performance pointed his bill downward and plunged like a stone the glittering emerald vanished on the mirror of the waters there spread ring within ring of light what seemed like whole minutes passed in waiting and silence and then all the brilliant green and blue and amber burst into view again as the bird came up in a scatter of diamonds and lanced straight back to his perch 
now we could see he held a minnow a little writhing atom of silver crosswise in his beak he struck it to and fro on the hard wood until he had killed it then at a single gulp it was down his throttle again the kingfisher sat preening his gorgeous plumage with the same dilettante touch and like carelessness as though the shining treasury of the waters below concerned him not a jot i often wonder how it is that the old saying about march and its leonine or lamb-like incomings and outgoings should have kept so sturdily its place in popular credence looking through a pile of old notebooks ranging back over a couple of decades or so i find that in the majority of years march has both begun and ended in the lamb-like character the lion appears only in the role of an interloper a go-between for almost invariably there has been a period of chilly riotous weather some time after the middle of the month so it has come about this season yesterday was a day without floor and as the sun began at last to mellow and decline dragging a net of shining golden haze behind it over the western hills i gave up a day-long though still unfinished task and went to sit a while on the churchyard wall the north-west wall is the last rampart of windlecombe it is made of flint with an oval red-brick coping of generous breadth there is none in the parish as far as i know but can be comfortable upon it sitting thereon side-saddle wise you have a view on the one hand of the grey stones and evergreenery of the churchyard and on the other your glance can wander unchecked straight down the coombe to the river then forward over the brook country to the far-off stavisham woods as yet the light had abated scarce a jot of its dynamic brilliance shadows were long and the white house-fronts had taken on a leaven of rosy sweetness but in the most retiring nooks it was still broad day i turned my back on the serene prospect of level plain where here and there the sunlight picked out a glittering coil of river and set myself to the contemplation of a remarkable fellowship near at hand close by the wall stood an almond tree its wide-spreading branches covered to the tips with pink blossom and behind it glowered and gloomed a venerable yew the one tree as it were reached out glad welcoming arms to the spring squandering its all to make one hour of joyous festival at the return of the prodigal light the other turned but a niggardly side-eye on all the inflowing radiance of the season it seemed to be trying to do its least and worst to discount the extravagant jubilation of its neighbour for very shame it could not wholly resist the call of the sunshine 
grudgingly it put forth at the tip of each sombre green frond a sparse sprig of lighter green and because the almond tree threw down its spent blossom in largesse of rosy litter upon the grass below this dour-natured vegetable turning its necessities to virtuous account now shed the dead brown buds of the foregoing year sending this rubbish fluttering to earth with the same hesitant sidelong action with which the almond petals fell as though in a mockery of imitation as i sat on the wall with my back to the declining sun humouring this and many similar far-fetched vain conceits as the best antidote i knew against the day's long overstrain of fancy high overhead in the church tower hard by the bell began its quiet summons for evensong through gaps in the thicket of ilex and laurel i saw first the tall gaunt figure of the reverend go by on the litten path with his vast confident stride the pallid threadpaper of a curate flickering at his heels after them came miss sweet the rich and lonely spinster up at the great house mincing along under a puce sunshade with an extended handful of ivory books then mrs coles from the farm as ever hot and out of breath finally at a respectful interval carefully calculated three or four of the village women dribbled through and disappeared into the north porch after the rest the usual weekly congregation being now complete the bell stopped the harmonium gave out one low sonorous note which on weekdays was the beginning and end of its share in the service for the next twenty minutes no other sound drifted over to me but the clucking and whistling of the starlings on the chancel roof and then having become again immersed in the affair of the yew and almond trees both now alike steeped by the setting sun in the same rose-red dye i was startled by a hand on my arm the reverend stood at my side ruddy-faced red-bearded the very blackness of his clothes changed mysteriously to the like glowing hue his kind eyes looked straight into mine just as if he could see them a fine evening isn't it he said just one rich flood of crimson without form only a great light spreading up the sky from where the sun has disappeared spreading up and gradually paling and changing until there is nothing but pure blue with one silver peg of a star sticking in it is it not so why no it is not quite that said i considering the star is there sure enough and the great red light but the red does not merge into blue it melts gradually into a wonderful luminous metallic green with the star almost white swimming in the midst of it 
far overhead the sky is blue enough and up there more stars are blinking out every moment but the green if you could only see it snow interrupted the old vicar placidly what snow wind first a gale perhaps and then the snow you will see what says the almond tree here it says i contended but one word spring abounding new life and growth sunshine kindling stronger and stronger every day the winter gone and already half forgotten with every pink bloom it promises nightingales and white flannels and straw hats and ah and you will never grow up now you're too old the almond blossom it lies in my memory always side by side with the snowdrop and the christmas rose snowflowers all three wait a little and be convinced but now look and tell me which way the chimney smoke is blowing blowing there is not a breath of there was more than a breath down there in the fairway of the coombe although here we could feel nothing of it under the deep red dusk i could make out the smoke plumes from the village chimneys all driving off at a sharp right angle to the south even as i looked there came a sudden flaw of wind overhead that set the yew bells rocking and its voice was the old remembered voice the north wind again somewhere in its black tangled depths the yew tree creaked derisively the reverend put his arm through mine but it is mercifully late he said as we turned homeward together artlet need not fear for his lambs now nor i for mine is the sky already overcast or am i only blinder than usual after that day i was housebound for near upon a week later than its wont by a good hour the dawn broke every day but as in darkness so with the grey wan light the wind never abated one iota of its whistling fury the soft thud thud of the flying snow reverberated on the panes the white drifts at the street corners mounted steadily higher and higher in the fireplace where i already thought soon to start my summer fernery i had the logs crackling and glowing with more than their old wintry might poor almond blossom i thought to myself again and again as i sat industriously scratching away in the strange dumbness and the thin queer light that fills the room in snowy weather yet this was not so ill a wind but that some good was blown my way i found myself overhauling arrears of work at a surprising rate when the wind fell at last backing steadily to west then to south-west there came a night of drenching rain 
rain that felt like hot tea to the hand held out in it i was ready for any sort of idleness and any wandering company two long days and nights the world lay under that simmering steaming cataract and then such a morning almost the last morning of the month rose over windlecombe as made the mere awakening in one's bed seem like a sort of first act in a miracle play the sun had hardly breasted windle hill before i was out and clear of the village its last red tinge had faded into night when i turned my tired steps homeward and so to bed once more lying there cosily with the delicious ache of thirty miles in my bones and in my ears the lilt of a thousand melodies all the glad day's journey projected itself like swiftly changing pictures thrown upon the screen of the starry night the downs first the green sea of hills that seemed to heave and subside as the violet cloud shadows lazily drove from crest to crest the unending sheep-bell music and lark-song and the playing of the gulls high up in the blue like scraps of white paper fluttering in the breeze then down the steep hillside to the sunny flats where the plovers were at their love play each pair rising and falling somersaulting together crying continually coming to a rest a moment then up again at the old interminable gambols here in the deep ditches the frogs croaked there was a golden rim of marsh marigold to every strip of water over which you must peer if you would study the submerged life below and what a life there was down in each crystal deep queer water beetles wove a bright pattern on the surface of the slow-moving almost stagnant stream and their shadows made just the same pattern on the sunlit weed of the bottom though here it was black instead of bright down there were mimic forests or jungles of ferny bronze-green growth all in gentle undulating motion as the water glided imperceptibly by shoals of minnows cruised about in the sunny open or lay in wait singly in the shadowy glades these single fish seemed to be for ever quarrelling either making sudden raid on the lairs of their neighbours or being attacked in their turn when they banded themselves together evidently making common peace the better to rout a common enemy and swam boldly in the sunshine i could see that each fish was faintly tinged with blue and green and orange red the identical colours although vague and subdued of the kingfisher their traditional foe then came up the vision of a long white road barred with tree shadows flowing between thorn hedges already full of a green promise of leafage and edged with butterfly-haunted flowers little cottages passed by 
ankle-deep in blue forget-me-nots and a flare with blossoming creepers deep pine woods took the road and folded it in fragrant bloom then set it forth in the sunshine again to wander over gorse-clad heaths or amidst spangled meadows i saw the inn where i sat a while in a company of travelling rinders men who stripped the bark from the felled oaks for the tanneries who would now be camping like robin and his merry rascals a month long in the woods i dozed off and woke again where in the drowsy afternoon sunshine i had rested under a great pollard ash weighed down with ivy upon the grass about my feet there shone an infinity of small rounded objects much as if aladdin had passed by and thrown down a handful of superfluous rubies everywhere their soft carmine lustre gemmed the sward year by year i have found the like on meadow paths wood rides by the church tower sometimes in the very streets of the village and have never known how they came into being you may have broken asunder the ivy berries a hundred times and noted the pale-hued seeds within yet never guessed that here was the mining ground for your treasure it is the sun and air that makes rubies of the fallen ivy seeds and for a last vision as i lay watching the starshine travelling across the square of the window i saw within it a picture and heard again a note of music perhaps the most wonderful thing in the whole day's idle round it was a keeper's cottage at the entrance to a wood on the steep thatch white pigeons hobbled amorously and behind in a green bower of elder a wild bird sang i could see the bird i knew it to be a common song thrush but the song was the song of a nightingale not the loud silver-toned warble that the poets love but the low slow sorrowful keening that always seems as if torn from the very heart of the bird and here is a pretty problem if the nightingale were already with us singing in every break there would be nothing strange in the thrush prone as he is to imitation borrowing a stanza from the new melody here and there but it is more than strange that he should do so at the present time seeing that for eight or nine months back there has been no nightingale music in the land yet we who are mute fowl are all thinking of april now and what it has in store for us can the thrush be thinking of april too and as with us can old memories of nightingales be stirring in him in him that alone can sing his thoughts aloud End of section 6